0: Hello, hello, everyone. This is your host, Akhil Jabbar, and welcome back to another episode of SaaS District. In today's episode, we'll be talking about how to combine a community-led growth and a product-led growth strategy. And today we have our guest, Zachary DeWitt, joining us. Zach is the partner at Wing Venture Capital. They are a firm that invests in SEED and Series A rounds for transformative enterprise tech companies. Prior to Wing, Zach was CEO and co-founder of a company called Drop, which built two award-winning iPhone apps, Drop Messages and Firefly before they sold the technology and the IP to Snapchat in 2016. Uh, Zach also holds a BA in Economics from the Yale University, as well as an MBA from Harvard Business School. So. Welcome, Zach. Super excited to have you on the show today.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm a big fan of the show and a lot of your content. So it's great to make the connection and excited to chat with you.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Likewise, Zach. Um, so a lot of exciting stuff to hear. Impressive resume. Uh, but before we get into the nitty gritty, like just let's start from the top. Community-led growth. I mean, that seems to be a hot topic these days. People love it. But uh, can you give us a quick you know, background? What exactly that means? And and how does that compare to product-led growth? When, product-led growth when it comes to SaaS.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, community-led growth is a powerful immersion go-to-market strategy that's gaining momentum in a startup community. So, what do we mean by community-led growth? Um, the way I think about it is, community-led growth is a go-to-market strategy in which companies build and foster vibrant communities of passionate users and customers who ultimately become advocates and influencers. So you can think about this instead of relying on your product to do the selling or your sales team to do the selling. You almost rely on your users and your community to do the selling. And so what are some ways in which a community can help the business? So I think there are many. So, you know, one of them is customer acquisition, right? And In today's world, we tend to trust people more than we trust brands. So social proof matters a lot, and it's a very valuable currency. If you go on Twitter and you see people talking about how much they love Notion or how much they love Figma, you may try this product simply because you're seeing an online trusted community talk about it. So these referrals matter, um, it's valuable social currency, it's a signal of of strong community-led growth, uh, and and it's a way to spread the product um, across your community. And there are certainly, we can talk into some strategies how to do that. Um, Companies like Notion, for example, they have structured programs where they build community advocates and they have referral programs. And so they actually incentivize uh, users to do that. Um, but we can talk more about that later. And so just going back to, you know, why does community-led growth matter and, and, and what's its benefit? So another benefit in addition to customer acquisition is upselling, right? So communities often help drive engagement and they come together, they share best practices, they share their content, they share their success stories their templates. And this just creates, you know, more materials, more use cases, removes friction for users as they go deeper into the product, and they're more likely to try new features and upgrade to a more premium package. Certainly, it helps with customer support too. Um, you know, oftentimes, mm-hmm. like Tesla, for example, is a really strong community. You could argue it as community led growth. Um, and you know, Tesla, a lot of the how tos and and the forums online are powered by users. So if you want to figure out how why your window stuck you're probably going to read a forum that a user generated that content for as opposed to Tesla generated themselves.
0: Mm -hmm. And lastly,
1: a huge benefit of community-led growth is product feedback. Uh, A vocal community is not shy about sharing their product feedback, both in public and in private, like in Slack channels. So you just have a a, a tighter feedback loop um, with your user base when you have a very vibrant community. So we're moving from sales-led, which is your team doing a selling to product led, which is your product doing the selling, to community led, which is going beyond product led growth. And, and, and it's it's more than just your product doing the selling, it's your community doing the selling and really supercharging them with, with passion and advocacy for your product and, and company.
0: Interesting to use uh you know notion as an example. So you mentioned their community, um, they're actually, you know, re- um rewarding their community to, to to refer and get out more customers. So i would look at that more of like, you know, affiliates or ambassadors um, or channel partners—I guess you can call those. I'm, I'm, I would think that would be between also, you know, PLG and community-led because I think it would be more of a transactional, right? Like, here's a link, sign up. It's such a good product. Whereas here you're saying, you know, the community is, you know, actually using the product. They're sharing sharing case studies how they're actually using it. Um, it's a lot more intimate, not just of the, the transactional way. Would would you would you agree with that?
1: I do agree. Absolutely. And so Mm -hmm. you're right. It's a very gray area between what is product led and some of that may be referrals, both in app referrals or external referrals or links. Um, and then it's a gray area into what is actually community led. And so it may be like Notion, you can go to, you can Google, you know, Notion ambassadors and the whole Notion ambassador program. uh, You know, it says they're passionate volunteer enthusiasts who teach and share Notion with others. And some of those ambassador programs are paid and some of them are volunteer. So I know Notion has different levels of programs. And so I think for their Notion Ambassador's program, they are free. Uh, so mm-hmm. they are volunteer, they're not paid, but they're but Notion equips them with materials, right? So Notion gives them, you know, special um, um you know admin access to the community forum. So they can they can put their posts towards the top or they can moderate their communities, right? So so part of what I think is powerful about community led is actually tagging and identifying your power users, you know, who's naturally, who's Who's organically um communicating and, and speaking up most in a lot of your online community forums? And then and then empowering them with materials, with support, with kind of a dedicated person you can talk to if there are questions to spread spread the good word even more. So I think you're spot mm-hmm. on, or there, there is a bit of a gray area where product-led growth um stops and community-led growth starts. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and there's certainly a spectrum.
0: Yeah, and I w- imagine what would happen if these started like incentive. So I love the idea of using you know volunteers, people actually generally like want to spread word, I think that's the best way. But you know, if you start adding incentives with, you know, cash into that, uh, I wonder mm-hmm. how that that changes the whole dynamic in the mind. But yeah, it I mean, does, and you, you can feel <laughs> it on
1: Twitter too. I mean, we've all seen um, you know people on Twitter where it feels like a promoted post, right? And 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 that that is when um, you know you kind of get turned off, and your spidey senses are tangling a little bit that this feels gimmicky or this feels mm-hmm. like they're paid to do this. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, part of it is authenticity. And and actually, you know, part of my thesis over the next decade is, is brands, you know, B2B brands really need to have both transparency and authenticity. And, and so if you can really empower your, your, your true organic users, um, you feel that on Twitter. And you see that sometimes. Or sometimes people say on Twitter, what's the best tool for uh, design for my small business? And you just scroll through the comments and you see all these people like... Love Canva, love Canva, love Canva. Figma's great. Love Canva, and you know, and you can kind of get a sense of just the the, the natural passion, uh, and so mm-hmm. that really um, that authenticity. I, I think you said it very well. Um, is 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 super important to uh, you know to be a part of your kind of program and your aspirations for your community.
0: Yeah, hundred percent authenticity. I think in all aspects of life, but even I mean, it's kind of hard to differentiate online sometimes, right? But if you can spot it, that's that's important.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, well said. I mean, you're right. I mean, you're kind of blurring the lines between. Brands and people, right? And so I think that's what this movement's about. You're you're becoming less of a brand who's talking to you um, and talking down to you, and you really want to become an authentic uh, collection of people and a collection of users that love your product, and and and, and that becomes the interface. That becomes um, you know kind of the experience layer uh, for new users. That's where they hear about the product. That's where they get referrals for the product. Um, mm-hmm. So moving from kind of this creepy large monolithic mm-hmm. brand to this organic, warm, natural, um, kind of user nebulous
0: uh, community. Uh, I, I want to I challenge that thought around, you know, the old uh, nebulous mon- monolithic brand. Um, doesn't that attract a certain type of folks too? Like I would think, um, you know, folks, you know, let's say bigger companies, um, you know, Fortune 50, Fortune 500 CEOs, they would maybe look at that as better than those, like, you know, it's kind—it's of, kind of reverse like psychology, where it's like, no, they actually don't want the personality; they want to see a big brand company and has all this, you know—it looks, you know, bigger than it looks like, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a good question. So I think it, I think it depends on on the vertical, right? So if it's dealing with money, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, you can imagine a world where you want a very large monolithic organization, a faceless organization, like you know, Bank of America, right? I mean, they're trusted. Exactly. Um, they have millions and millions of customers. They've been around for you know through acquisitions, but you know hundred hundred year plus. Um, and so th- there's a lot of trust there. Um, mm-hmm. however if if it's a if it's a developer tool or if it's a um, productivity tool, um you know you really want to 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 learn about that from users and then you want to troubleshoot it with other users, right? You want to um you know land on the community page as opposed to, um, on kind of a, a page, which is like the brand talking to you, and, mm-hmm. and so I think, again, I think I think you're right, and your instincts right, but it, it, I would push back and say it's, it's more uh, on what uh, you know, kind of vertical dependent. Of um, do you want a big, trusted, monolithic, faceless brand, or do you want more of a um, community uh, kind of you know people first experience and and um, in company?
0: Yeah, yeah, it makes complete sense. And, and do do you think that? Um... You know, every SaaS company out there should experience or think about using community-led growth. Or is there any specific you would say that you wouldn't suggest as this a channel to even look at or consider?
1: Yeah, great question. And so, there's certainly some companies that are really well set up for community-led growth. Any any company that has any product that has collaboration in it, right? And so, whether it's internal collaboration with colleagues or external collaboration with customers or vendors or partners, those tools are great for community-led growth because there's natural virality in the user experience. So this could be productivity tools, this could be communication tools, um, this could be developer tools, this could be open source projects. So these areas are really ripe for community-led growth. As you move to more traditional SaaS, um, for example, I'm thinking like an HR product who's sold to multiple stakeholders kind of top down, that, that's a little bit harder to do community-led growth. Now, I, I think it's still important to invest in community and that's part of, when I talk to large companies, that's part of the message I'm telling them that, hey, community really matters. Um, and, and so e- even though it may be a top-down sales process with multiple stakeholders uh, for for kind of a, you know, like workday, as you, as you can imagine, you know, people still want to go on and, and see the community, feel like people are using it, feel like they can troubleshoot, feel like they can ask questions and get quick responses, um, you know, feel like people really value the service. And, and so my advice is every SaaS company should invest in a community. Um, it's just a question of of how aggressively and, and kind of, um, you know, what, what tools of the community like playbook you should start with.
0: Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. I guess if you don't have an internal tool to yeah, talk to each other, then that's one, that's one way you probably can't look at, but I imagine there's so many different channels to build, uh, you know, communities these, these days that, I mean, I mean, even like a podcast itself, right. That's one way. Yeah. Um, that I think every every SaaS company can do. Um, and then in terms of you know results, right? Um, like you mentioned a few benefits. So you, so it was at the beginning of the episode. Um, can you share maybe some results of what you've seen, maybe some metrics or a case study showing between like was there a company you guys worked with that, you know, uh, between you know, starting with product-led growth and maybe move towards um, community-led? And what was the results of you know, before and after?
1: Yeah. So one of the companies that I work closely with is a company called copy.ai. Uh, which is an automated writing tool and platform. And Copy is, it's still an early company. It's, uh, you know, we 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 led the Series A last year. So it's only a couple of years old. I think it's two and a half years old at this point, but they're starting to really push into community-led growth. Um, There's a very vibrant uh, um, Twitter community. Um, There's a lot of um, community members that that post on TikTok organically that help troubleshoot the product. So it's in early stages of moving to community-led growth. And so your question on metrics is, so what does that what does that mean in terms of metrics? Right, what's the impact? One, we've seen um, a decrease in customer acquisition costs because um, we see a, the, the the percentage that come in from word of mouth or referral is increasing, and so that 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 is your purest form of customer acquisition. There's no uh, paid um, uh, customer acquisition associated with with that user growth. So we're seeing customer acquisition costs go down, which is really important for a lot of businesses because you're optimizing customer acquisition costs relative to kind of lifetime value of that customer. We're also seeing support costs go down. And and so this is if people are filing tickets on Zendesk, um, they can start to resolve it by asking other community members, either on Twitter or on a forum. And and so um, the number of kind of customer service reps we're seeing that we need to hire is is stabilizing. And actually, they can spend their time on some of the high value, more complicated questions and problems um, where the community can kind of uh, help each other out and answer some of the 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 lower hanging uh, fruit questions. Um, And then also we're just seeing more engagement across the board, right? When you have all these, almost like um, uh, kind of cross uh, user network effects where um, they're learning from each other, they're creating templates, they're posting about how they did something online uh, or, or a new use case. It just expands the surface area for other existing users and so that's been really powerful too, in terms of seeing um, you know that that plays out and, and seeing faster upsells and and upselling to uh, you know team products sooner.
0: Yeah, I'd imagine that the on top of you know CAC dropping, your your conversion rate might go up as well, right?
1: Exactly. Yeah, that's a really yeah. good point. Yeah, conversion yeah. rate goes up from free to pay. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: so interesting. Like, so you you mentioned you know TikTok as a community, I would not have thought of that for you know it's a company like Copy to AI, but um, that's that's one place. And you also mentioned you know a forum and Twitter. Were these things that you guys kind of thought out and say, okay, we've got this company, we're not using community right now. Here are some ways where we can start. Uh, like, okay, we're we going to start writing content on TikTok, creating content. And then are we going to add these, you know, Twitter, uh, you know, this this location and a forum that, you know, people can go and voice what, what's going on and would rather just, you know, build, build this and let it kind of flow on its own? Or how do you guys manage it? Great question.
1: Yeah, really yeah. good question. I would say it's a mix. I would say it's a mm-hmm. bit of push and a bit of pull. And so okay. what I mean by that is, um, listen, we wanted to invest in Twitter. And so we started working with a few influencers to, and that, and that was paid to get the word out there. Um, I think at that point, um, what we, what we realized is, Hey, this is starting to spread. Like, you know, if we paid three influencers posting about it, um, you know, some of their followers started using copy and they would post, Oh, copy is a great way to, to, to brainstorm an essay after i have to write for college, or it's a great way to write about, um, you know, a marketing blog post for my job. And so we started seeing that spread organically, and then and then there's things you can do, like you can create little challenges on TikTok that go viral. Um, you can send people swag, you know, so they can um, you know uh, wear a, a copy of a hat in a video. Um, you, can, you can you can kind of create um, you know, as I said, some some, um, some some challenges and some incentives. And so it, it, you, mm-hmm. you you want to you basically want to put uh, start a very small fire and just watch it for a little bit and see how. You know, see how it burns and see how it grows. And then you can add more fuel to the fire and, and invest in those channels um, in a bigger way. So, you know, Twitter is the same way. Like we see Twitter uh, all the time. Um, people post about copy AI. There's, there's a user called Easlo. His mm-hmm. handle is Hey Easlo, E-A-S-L-O. He posts okay. all the time about his favorite tools. And so um, he was posting all the time about how great copy is. So the team got in touch with him and tried to understand why and figure out he's ultimately a power user and Figure out how can we create more people sharing like you did? What caused you to share? So you can kind of study some of this behavior um, and invest. And then also, we're going to invest in a forum as well. Um, we want to use a modern forum service. Right now, we have a Slack channel with some of our users. So just, just giving them more avenues um, to, to communicate with other users and giving them more avenues to communicate directly with the company and give them, you know, kind of giving them like a you know a, a hotline to, to talk to the, the product leader or the CEO if anything comes up.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's, that's super smart. I like that strategy. I wouldn't have thought TikTok, but I mean, I'm, I'm actually not even surprised. But I mean, Twitter has been always been, you know, true and tested and, you know, SaaS companies, I find if you, if you know how to find, you know, creative ways, like you mentioned, I think yeah, that could be great. But if, if I'm a SaaS company, I'm okay. I'm, I'm, I'm just building out or whatever stage I'm in of my product development. When should I start thinking about creating my community? Um, and maybe some, maybe if you can give us some steps and it's like, all right, how, how can we do this right and, and make sure we, 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 we get to success here?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. Um, so the first thing I, I think you want to do is you want to see who are your power spreaders, right? And so who are people that are naturally sharing already? Um, who are people that are posting often in forums? And then you want to um, have meetings with them, right? So this is the research phase, right? So why do you love our product? Why do you feel compelled to to, to post about it in our in our forum? Why do you feel compelled to post about it on Twitter? Um, what do you get out of it, right? And so and so really kind of understanding that psyche. Um, and then you basically want to try to create programs that creates more ambassadors or more passionate users. And so uh, it may be a paid program where you go out to some of your power users and say, "Hey, you know, listen, we'll, we'll set up this referral program for you, or we'll set up this ambassador program for you. We'll send you a bunch of gear. We'll give you we'll give you tools and tips and material you can post about. We'll give you you know sneak access to our upcoming product set and product launches. Make them feel really special. And so I think I think that's that's really important." Um, the other thing that that starts to happen is you start to see people actually creating on top of your platform. So, so you want to give people tools to build on top of your platform. So, you know, I, I use Notion as a canonical canonical example of um uh, of great community led because uh, growth. Because if you look at Product Hunt, I would say every day I look at Product Hunt. Every day I have the app on my home screen on my phone. Every day there is one or two Notion apps or Notion templates that people are launching. That is really powerful, right? So not only are they um, evangelists and promoting Notion and spreading the good word, but they're actually creating content, tools, apps, templates that make Notion better for every other user. So there's Mm -hmm. this compounding effect. And so so part of it is Notion, their product is set up where people can build templates, right? Their product is set up where people can build kind of custom plugins or custom apps. And so I think you want to be able to um, uh, set up a product to do that, right? Where you give users power, you let them build on top of you, let them share what they're building. Figma does this really well. They have their—you can go to Figma.com/community. Um, you can see all their their plugins that their users build, um, and so they they really showcase what the community is doing and giving them tools to do that. So I think that's the second step is like once you set up this ambassador program, this evangelist program, um, you you, you want to make your app and 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 and, and you really want to make it a platform where people can build on top. Um, and so not a lot of apps do that. Figma and Notion, we're early to that. Uh, and I think we'll start seeing that a lot more and more.
0: Yeah, it makes sense. Um, so if I'm maybe in the building stages and I'm thinking of sharing... So I, I see this a lot, right? On some communities where people are often sharing updates to their, their, their platform and get people excited, I guess, you know, things like Superhuman and a few other, you know, great... They've, they've done a really good job with that. Um, at what moment do you think is a good time to be sharing with the community to test, you know, and say, okay, hey, we're here. Um, and or hey, we've got this new thing, right? I mean, how often should you be doing this and keeping people of the community excited?
1: I th- it's a great question. I think with with your power users, if you can get your power users into a Slack channel with you or a Discord channel, you want to be you want to be sharing product updates every other week. You know, maybe every week. Um, just let them know you're building. Let them know you're responsive. Let them know you hear their feedback. That's super important. And then you know, every company's got a different release cadence for public releases. So that may be every quarter that maybe every month, you know, and so I see a lot of early stage startups have very fast release cycles. Um, every month they're sending product email to their entire user base, are new features, hey, we hear you, we hear your feedback, we're building for you. Um, and you really make the user feel heard, right? Because if you think about this, you, I mean, really community, community-like community growth is, is, is making your product and experience a two-way street. Um, we've all, we use products. I mean, I'm sure you use many SaaS tools and in um, and, and your work, you invest in tools. And so, you're constantly, you, you want improvements, you want change. I mean, I want Slack to do certain things. I want Superhuman to do certain things. Um, you know, I want Stripe to do certain things. And so when, when you feel heard and, and, and you feel like they're really responsive to your input, it deepens your affection for that, for that product. And so closing, like I think the best product-led growth companies and the best community-led growth companies have a really tight feedback loop between product and, um, and community.
0: Yeah, I always feel, you know, the struggle there is was like, you know, you don't want to be bothering these folks. Like, I mean, these people have, you know, their full time jobs or whatever it is. <laughs> right. and But it's like, hey, like, hey, can, can you get, you're asking for free, I guess, stuff, right? Maybe you do give them some stuff, and, you know, but you, you kind of feel like, hey, I'm wasting this person's time or like, I'm asking them too much, you know, if you're every week, you're like, hey, can you give me feedback? Hey, can you give me feedback? How, how do you kind of think about that if I'm a SaaS founder?
1: Great question. Yeah. And you really want to be careful not to push people too much or annoy people. And so that's why I think if you can really observe, who 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 are these superpower users that that are always talking to you, always posting feedback, always sending tickets in, and um, and and you can get a sense of like they're almost opting in through their behavior that they that they want to engage more, and so that mm. that's who you want to bring into this type community of of kind of product of, of immediate product feedback. So it's a really important point. The other thing I'll say is that SaaS tools today become our identity, right? Like there's mm. this movement of bring your own tool to work. The average um tech company uses 50 to 60 SaaS tools today according to the Octo Work report. Wow. And so these are these are tools that users want. You know, are you, some users bring in Slack, some, you know, some some users bring in Tome. I mean some users bring in Tango. I mean all these kind of emerging new compelling startups and they want to introduce it with their team and, and they want to be first. They want to say, hey, I'm cool. I'm going to know this is what other great startups are using, other great teams are using um, and, and so they take a lot of pride in it and it actually becomes who you are and becomes your identity. And, you know, I've seen people on Twitter, um, post the tools they use in their bio, right. Or, mm-hmm. uh, and so that's how or just post on LinkedIn all the time. And so you want to get into that. Like, I think th- this is true. I think the best companies become cults, right? Like Figma is a cult. Like you look at Twitter, like people are ride or die Figma. People mm-hmm. have Figma tattoos. When people start getting ta- <laughs> like when people start getting tattoos for a SaaS product, Like, you've activated your community, right? And the other thing we haven't really talked about is events. And so Figma has done a great job with their FIGCON, their Figma conference, and bringing um, users from all around the world to incredible cities to meet each other, to talk about design, to push design forward. Another great aspect that communities start doing is they actually help educate their user base. So Figma um, really values learning and education. There are all of these videos on Figma's website where I can learn how to design, I can learn Best practices. I can learn modern practices and what's kind of cutting edge, and so reinvesting in your community, giving them content, I think is super valuable as well. Um, so yeah, you you know, it's 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 uh, there's a lot of cool stuff going on with community and, and and people. As I said, you know, people kind of get to cult status, and 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 that's that's a sign. I want to invest in any company where there's people are getting a tattoo with uh with that <laughs> kind of company's logo.
0: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, that's also probably why Adobe decided to acquire Figma as well. I don't blame them; that's 100%. a great deal. Yeah, and I feel like that's the trend going to be right. Future is like show me a resume, but part of that you got to include like your tech stack. Is like here's what I can use and what I bring to the table. I think that's going to be the future. It's to... so it's <laughs>
1: fascinating. People take a lot of pride in it. Pride in it, right? Yeah. I'm sure you talked to yeah. a lot of founders and, and operators yeah. that are talking about their tech stack and their tools, and yeah. they're opinionating. And, and so it's it's very cool. It's, it's it's fun to fun to watch. I mean. It's really the consumerization of enterprise. That's a term people have been talking about for a decade. But, but just like people take a lot of pride in what consumer products they use, what car they drive, what T-shirt they wear, what shoes they wear, right? Um, mm. It's the same thing at work. You want to express your identity at work. What what presentation tool do I use? What communication tool do I use? What dev tools do I use? Um, that says something cool. about me. It says something about my style. It says something about my wow. you know That's my aesthetic. Yeah, yeah, I guess it's
0: like it's like your your work clothes, right behind the. <laughs> behind exactly. Okay, this is how I dress. All right, that's interesting. Exactly,
1: exactly. So, so yeah. that's why. And listen, I, I what aesthetics really matter to me too. I mean, I when mm-hmm. I like it, 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 it's I probably miss companies investment opportunities because of this. But when I look at a company's website, even if it's a seed company, I hold it to a really high standard. Like, do they have attention to detail? You know, do they have? Um, is is the brand thoughtful? Does the brand stand for something? Um, you know, do they feature kind of their their community and their product right on the homepage right away? And so, it, it, it's tough. A lot of teams will say, "Oh, we're just a seed company. We just have together a website." And and for me, that's kind of a knock against the company if they haven't really put a lot of thought and care into the, the first experience, the website, the aesthetics, the color palette, the logo. Like as you said, you know, people love their shoes. They love their Nikes. They love they love the Air Force Ones. And and the aesthetics really matter. And, and, and so that I want to see that expressed in, in SaaS brands then.
0: Yeah, I can tell. I can tell by your background, just by the the, the level of detail in your your new your new branding. I mean, yeah. you can see we, we're not a SaaS, you know, at Horizon Capital, but we also, you know, that was something important to me. So I, I feel you. Know, like our design, everything had to be like, you know, on, on point. So I mean, a lot of investment companies don't care. They're old old school. They're like, no, this represents me. I want it to look good. So I think totally. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, yeah. I mean, yeah. aesthetics, aesthetics mm-hmm. matter. And so um, you know, Figma. I mean, I'm just like. Sigma's website is I mean it's sexy right you know Notion mm. notions of beautiful product these products are clean and they have a feeling to them and a mood to them they have and that's um that's what we're going for you want to make products want to make their users feel a certain way right and so mm. um that is the state of where we are in SaaS today it sounds it sounds a little bit silly but that's that's where we are in terms of kind of the next the next great set of startups
0: i mean that's the basics of sales right making people feel connected to your yes. brand i mean now we're just learning how to do it Without you know people to people with the actual website, so that's well said. Um, yeah, yeah, well yeah, said. Yeah, yeah. So, so last question, Zach. Before we get into the 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 kind of personal rapid fire questions, um, so you know building a community is one thing. I find you know I'm probably pretty good at you know getting people in and you know having this huge list, and um, but then engaging them is another. Um, if I'm if I'm a uh, what if I'm a SaaS company, product led growth company, I'm looking to build and keep that community active, engaged. What are some actions you would recommend to take?
1: Yeah, it's a great question, Uh, and and so you know, there's there's a standard playbook we've talked about of of um, having a tight loop and and communicating often, and and sending them you know product updates, and um, and certainly engaging them on Twitter. If someone tweets that, you tweet back at them, and so there's a lot of the basics. I think I think when companies go above and beyond of how to engage your community. They keep it fun and they introduce... It's like really... It's, it's surprising to light your customer. And so they're, they're hiding little nuggets in the product. Like one company I work with around, around.co, which is kind of a next-gen video chat, they they, they, they introduce games into their product. Like it's not really a gaming product, right? But they wanted to keep it fun for people who are in their video conferences. Um, they, they had little nuggets of like, Oh, you know, seek like um, find and go seek. You know, we, we hid something in this product release. Like, who can find it first? Right. And so, surprise mm-hmm. and delight your your consumers. That that's something a friend would do, right? A friend, a friend would mess around with you. A friend would have a sense of humor. Um, uh, you know, a friend, a friend would uh, you know, would would would, would keep it fun and light and, and make you laugh. And 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 so the the best again, like they they make they extend and expand the range of emotions. That you experience using your product. And, and so I think that's something that that brands should do. Cause you're right, you don't want to just send them the boring email every week, every month saying, here's our product release, like every Wednesday, second Wednesday of the month. Mm-hmm. No, you want to make it fun. You want to have, you know, beautiful content, cool videos, but you want to make it mysterious. You want to make it humorous. You want to make it um cryptic. You wanna you know, have um have a little, you know, hide something inside the product from the find, right? And and keep it fun and light, and hide a little mini game. And so um, I, I think we're starting to see that more and more people are are really expressing their creativity and in, in, in terms of kind of product launches and releases and um, just how they communicate with with customers. And so that's that's uh, you know that's kind of the next gen cutting edge stuff that we're seeing more of.
0: Uh, I like it. I mean, it sounds so simple, kind of being a little bit more bold in your communication. And but uh, I mean, it's 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 tough. I mean, but most people think that you, know, you got to keep it simple and just you know don't get to make it too personal. But I love the idea of making like as you're talking to a friend and you're you're just. You know, make it, but like I can see the struggle on both sides, right? It's, it's tough, but I mean, I'd love to try it out.
1: Yeah, and, and especially today, it's just noisy out there, right? I mean, you're, mm. you see, you pick any category, and there's like five startups competing, and mm. so you have to do something different. And and I think the other thing is, you have to stand for something. Like, I think where, where companies get lost with community is they don't stand for something, um, they don't have values, and like mm. those. I heard a CEO talk of of a very large private company recently, um, you know, multi kind of Decacorn company. And he was saying that every single board meeting, every single all hands meeting, they reiterate the company's long-term vision and the company's two or three strategic things they're working on this year. Everyone knows, prioritize these two or three things. This is what matters most. And I think that really matters too when you're engaging customers and and, and consumers and, and users. Um, you need to know what the brand stands for. You need to know what their strategic vision is. Because oftentimes when I'm adopting a tool, it's a series A or series B company. I want to know if, hey, if I'm gonna use this tool and spread it and, and be an evangelist, like where are you headed? I mean, do we have the same values? Do we have the same beliefs? In five years, are you headed in the right direction? Right. And so so much of it is where you're going. And so you need to, you need to communicate that to users.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's that's awesome. Well, this is really good Zach I appreciate all you've you shared here I think there's a lot of good insights for people to to start applying yeah uh, I've enjoyed I'm, it uh I'm, I'm excited to try it as well some of these things so <laughs> all right ready to uh ready for the rapid fire questions yeah let's do it yeah let's do it all right Zach what's uh one activity you enjoy outside of work that gets you into flow state
1: um I love hiking with my wife I just being in nature actually leaving our cell phone behind. Really, it's it, you get in the flow state when you get your heart rate up. Um, you know, going uphill, you just you stop thinking and, and you're really present. And I listen. I think we're all struggling to be present. We're all inundated with notifications, emails, tools all the time. Especially as an investor, you're constantly getting emailed and ping. So yeah, you got to get in a flow state. I'm, I'm glad you asked about that. It's uh, I don't do it enough, but yeah, that's probably where I get in my deepest flow state.
0: Nice, nice. So you got to find a way how to be hiking while you're working, and then you're yeah. old. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. uh, Zach, what's one piece of advice you wish you had known, and would tell your? I'm going to change it to 20 year old self, not 25 year old self. What would you tell yourself?
1: So I st- I started a couple companies in my 20s, but I never really went all in on them. I only went all in on one, where I that was my full time job. I dr- I stopped what I was doing. I wish I started companies all in throughout my 20s, every two years. Uh, there's um, in today's world, uh, there's so you know there, there's so much support for founders. Um, even if you fail, um, you know, fat, you want to be backed again, people want to work for you again, um, you just keep getting better and better. And there's never been a better time to start a company. So every every other year, I wish I started a new company, a new company, a new company. If it doesn't work, shut it down, move on to the next, just keep going. Um, it's the most fun process in the world. It's, it's the most challenging process in the world. And I wish, uh, you know, I wish I did more of it. I only did it once. I should have done it four or five times.
0: What's, uh, what's stopping you from doing it now, right? It's,
1: <laughs> it's a good question. Well, I think the way to actually thread the needle as, as, a, as a VC is I'm actually working on an incubation project right now, which we can, you know, if, if we chat again next year, we can talk more about um, in kind of the, mm-hmm. the go-to-market space. So that's a great way to... I'm doing all the research, coming up with the branding, coming up, um, you know, kind of with the product with one of my colleagues. And, and that's a fun awesome. way to, to build something, um, you know, but also still be able to invest. Because okay. I'm so curious. I love, you know, working with different projects and different founders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we're the same that way. I get you. Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh Zach, what are some of the biggest challenges you guys are currently facing in order to continue to grow your your firm wing wing partner capital? Meaning, you know, if anything, what keeps you up at night these days?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. I, I think the challenge is how best can we serve our founders? And so there's trade-offs, right? I mean, we're only so big, we can only make so many investments. And so do we invest more in resources for them to grow, you know, talent resources and customer resources and marketing resources and um uh you know go to market resources and what 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 what's the right trade-offs at the right time. The other thing is we have companies that are seed companies. We also have companies that we've invested in seven years ago that are like about to go public. And so how do we serve companies along the whole spectrum and you know how do we um you know really be the best partner them throughout the life cycle. So it's a game of trade-offs and uh, we're constantly evolving and constantly trying to figure out how to get better.
0: Nice man. I'm rooting for you guys. thank um, you rooting
1: for you too man. I've really enjoyed this.
0: Thanks. Uh, who are what are best three resources? These can be you know books, people, mentors, or people you follow in the space who you'd say have been instrumental to your success over these last few years. I think you guys started back in 2013,
1: right? Yeah, uh, yeah. back in 2013, exactly. So I joined um, a couple of years in. So yeah, just so let's go through. So a couple of resources. Actually, I got to give a shout out to someone at another venture firm. I think okay. Kyle Poyer um, of OpenView. He has some of the best content on product-led growth. Uh, he... Um, you know, we we've connected. We both write a lot about product led growth, and we've compared notes. Uh, we we hopped on a Zoom together for the first time a couple weeks ago. He's he's awesome. Um, he he he's uh, someone I really admire, someone I really respect. And in terms of content, um, you know, I definitely give a shout out. You know, check check out um, you know my, my newsletter, which is a Substack called Notorious PLG. Um, every week we feature um, you know new content. And, and listen, I, I'm a student of this. I mean, part of the what we do is we have a founder guest write every week. And so they, he or she's talking about what they do, and and so it's a great. It, it's not me just pontificating; it's actually advice from real world people. So every week you, you know, you you learn from someone. Um, and and this is the yeah, this is the link here. And 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 I'll and I'll say that um, listen, I think I'm very grateful to have mentors at, at Wing. Um, you know, Peter and Garof, who are the two founders. Peter was at Excel for many years, and Gareth was at Sequoia for many years before starting Wing, and. Um, listen, it's really important to have mentors early in your career and, 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 and everyone's going to have different mentors, you know, but, but you gotta, you gotta put yourself out there. You gotta, you know, t- go ask to go out for lunch, to go out for coffee and and just ask questions and learn. So um, hopefully that's a good summary. Check out Kyle's work, uh, check out, check out my work to, to learn how some of these early stage startups are doing product-led growth and, and then find a mentor, um, you know, at, at your firm or, or outside your firm.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, we'll add those links to the show notes. I haven't heard of either of those. So I think that'd be great for people to check out. Um, what does success mean to you today, Zach? Whether that's personally, business, financial, life? No right answer.
1: Yeah, you know, when I was younger, I used to think it was financial success um, is what mattered in terms of success. And as I've gotten older, that—that that is probably like the fourth or fifth ranked thing. Um, I think success right now is is... Is um, it, you know, listen, is is pushing myself to be the best. Is self improvement, is growth, um, and I, and also the founders I work with. I want my founders to be the, the best version of themselves, and so I constantly want to push them to stretch and to be out of their comfort zone and to and to help evaluate their their blind spots. And so I I love challenges. I love um, you know, discomfort. I love uh, grow growth. And it's been listen, it's been a hard two years for everyone uh, with the pandemic and recession, and it's just and so. I think just constantly finding ways to worry less about what everyone else is doing and worry more about how I can get a little bit better every day. Um, actually, my favorite athlete is Tom Brady, and he talks about that. He just wants to be, you know, 0.1% better every day. And if you do that for 20 years, you know, you're really incredible when when, uh, when the dust settles. And so that's what I strive to do and, and just kind of block out the noise and just keep pushing myself. And that's, that's where I get a lot of enjoyment out of and, you know, the much more so than, financial success or, you know, any other type of kind of, um, you know, more, more material success measure.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. Yeah. We'll do the, I mean, follow the path of the the turtle, not the, the rabbit who's kind of, or the hare that, you know, goes different directions, right? Just give, you know, where you want to go. And if you're sticking on your line, you're, you're feeling pretty good, right?
1: Exactly. And and, mm-hmm. and, and yeah, so, and so that's picking markets you like, working with great people and and just keep learning. And that's why doing this weekly substack has been super helpful because every week I learn something. I and mean, it's just I feel so lucky to um you know that, that, that people uh that people help me help me work on it and I can feature great founders in it.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um well thank you, thank you, Zach. Where can uh you know founders, anybody listening want get, to get in touch with you, learn more about you and your company, or, they, or you know if they want to maybe pitch their company for if they're looking to raise their series A or seed round?
1: Yeah, listen, any any um SaaS company I'd love to meet. My email is Zach at wing.vc, where you can find me at Twitter at Zachary DeWitt. Um, and love to hear from you. Always my, my DMs are open and, and certainly uh, excited to uh, to learn what you're working on. I think, um, you know, it, it, it's, it'd be great to connect. And I, I've really enjoyed this. You've asked very thoughtful questions. I've learned a lot from you and I've learned a lot from your content. And um, hopefully we can do it again sometime next year.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We will. Next one will be a challenge because I know you love challenges. I'm going to put you on on the spot and see what you're doing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Wilson,
1: you know, if things are moving so fast, it's probably going to be the next, you know, the next hot uh, kind of growth category beyond community-led growth. So you can challenge me to try to articulate what's going on. (laughs) What's going on? (laughs) uh, You know, growth channel.
0: I love it. Look forward to it. Awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all for watching this episode and joining SAS District today. Don't forget to like, subscribe and hit the bell for future episodes where we interview top leaders in the SAS industry. If you're a SAS company looking to grow and unlock the true value of your business, get in touch with us at Horizon Capital and myself or one of our consultants will provide a free assessment to help you get there and hit your goals. If you have any feedback or suggestions for this podcast, please comment down below and help us improve our content for you all. Thanks again and see you on the next one.